78644 is brought to you by Texas Hatters, The Little Alamo Airbnb, El Rey Bar and Nightclub, Wendy R. Books and Gifts, Birdie House, in-kind sponsors are Williams Island, Courthouse Nights, Printing Solutions, Gaslight Baker Theater, and Crystal Glaze Photography. Donning a hat may be a potent means of self-expression and can reveal a lot about a person's character, state of mind, and level of assurance. Now, according to scientific research, whatever that may mean, a person's hat choice may reveal a lot about their sense of style and fashion. These studies have shown that hat use can significantly affect one's confidence and attitude. People who wear hats in social settings often feel more comfortable and safe, which might increase their confidence. On the other hand, those who use hats to camouflage or protect themselves from their surroundings may suffer from poor self-esteem or anxiety. The thing is, hats play a role in our lives. They're important in more ways than we realize. What kind of hat do you wear? Well, on this episode, we're going to explore that and talk about the man who made a lot of them for people. From all over the world and for all kinds of people. And he did it right here in Lockhart. I'm Stephen Collins. And this is 78644. Drew de France fronts a band called De France from uh, Camden, Arkansas. And they're called the hardest working band in Arkansas. They've played over 800 shows since forming in 215. Now they live in Little Rock, and um, they're always on the road. They're coming to Lockhart to play. Drew and I had a chance to speak on the phone about his upcoming projects and uh, what he's been up to lately. The band DeFrance started in 2015. I started that band uh, in uh, January of, of 15. And, uh, I mean, before that, I've been playing music since I was about 14 years old professionally in clubs and venues and festivals you name it like uh bobby bland said i play the high class joints i play the low class joints and i even play the honky tonks you know it's a culmination of everything that uh, is an influence around me and growing up in arkansas which you know is between close to memphis it's close to nashville it's uh in between there and new orleans there in texas there in you know louisiana Oklahoma. i mean just the whole south has always been renowned for having some of the best musicians in the world whether they you know moved out of the south or not you know it was one of the the foundations of what, what a lot of people call americana which is jazz country you know folk uh all these bluegrass you know all these different styles and art forms that were originally originate or originated by african americans moving or you know brought to america with these you know like a banjo is an african instrument a lot of these instruments and and concepts and ideas were 
just deep seated in where I grew up at, and I just heard everything like that. I heard the Memphis Stacks horns. I heard the funkiness of Muscle Shoals. I heard the funkiness of New Orleans and how different that groove is. You know, it's like it's right there in the middle of all that and the countryness of Nashville. And, you know, Arkansas's always had the Ozarks there, so that's always a big influence with bluegrass. I'm also a bit of a historian when it comes to music and American music in particular and the origins of it and who influenced who and how does it keep going back and, you know, the blues and all that. And so I just try to incorporate all that into my sound as much as I can. So I've had one fan say, he's like, y'all are half-ass honky-tonk. You know, it's definitely a rock and roll band. And one of my major influences songwriting rise was uh, Tom Petty. I'm sure you can hear that. You know, he did the same thing. He came out of Florida and that's the same kind of thing over there where it's like a culmination of all these different influences if you just reach out a little bit, you know. And so it was just really nice to be able to put all those different styles into my music at different times. The next record that we're about to put out is kind of be, or the two tracks that we're sending over are going to be more of like a Americana, I guess, style. Like I said, somewhat country, like you said previously, and mainly focusing on songwriting. And I've always been a follower of the rule that... um you know, you, you you listen to the song and you, you serve the song and whatever the song asks of, you give to it. And it doesn't provide ego or anything. It's just all for helping the song. Right. So when I'm writing songs, sometimes I have a very definitive sound that automatically comes to it. And there's no arguing about it. It's like, I'm not even coming up with this. It's just like, that's how the song asked to be sounded like, you know? So that's what I, I just tried to, you know, serve the song and give it the best quality of, that I could to it because it's, it's its own art piece and own form in, in one way. I've read before where if you put off, you know, the idea that, you know, this is created by, you know, powers beyond understanding, then, you know, it takes a little bit more pressure off yourself as a songwriter to create. Sounds Van Zant called them cloud songs. It happens quite a bit, you know, normally when I'm writing a song, which I've written all the materials for the band so far, uh, it's normally like it just hits me, like like Town said, like a cloud song. Like I, I just like reached up there and grabbed it if I want to, or like it just fell down and hit me. As soon as I hear the words, I hear the, the melody, I hear the, the drums, I hear the, the whole entire thing. So it's more of like... Uh, an interpretation of whatever energy is sending this to me. Yeah, I'll hear the whole uh, production and orchestration at once. and Or I'll hear bits of it, and then I'll have to be like, all right, how, what's the best flow of this? I've always been the, the follower of uh, Bruce Lee's uh, method of path of least resistance. It should flow like water. All music mm -hmm. and art should flow as, like, life flows, you know, through, you know, just whatever it has to go through. It doesn't, you know... It meets something and it goes around it or builds up and goes over it. You know, it doesn't have to, you know, have these limitations to it or anything like that. It just flows, you know. I was just having a discussion the other day with my wife about this. It's really wild how from the 20s and 30s on to about, you know, the 80s, I guess you could say. And, you know, I guess the 90s, everything after that was kind of like a tale, but... There was a huge explosion in art, like a renaissance that's going to be documented for forever, just like the renaissance and you know, over in Europe. Uh, it, it was a huge explosion in American music, and in the first time ever in the world, people in the rest of the world looking at, as artists and creators looked at America and go, what's America doing? 
And ever since then, it's been the go-to, you know, like, oh, what's America doing? What's, what are they doing? You know, right now, uh, since November, actually, we've been releasing a song every week. We have it the past three or four weeks because we've been held up by studio work, but I'm just going to dump those whenever that's ready and just try to continue on with trying to get songs out weekly. The art form of an album is kind of becoming passe, and I hate that. Uh, I, I don't like EPs. Uh, I think that the single is cool, but, you know, it's just like, love a long play, you know what I'm saying? And also we're at this place where it's like CDs aren't really relevant anymore. A lot of people don't have a CD player on the computer or in the car anymore. So it's like, what's the next tangible experience with music? And I've always loved a tangible experience where I can hold a physical copy, especially an album, like a, like a big, you know, record. I'm an artist, so I'm always going to create. And it's like, I, I'm going with the notion right now that's just like, just as soon as I get it done, just get it out there, let people enjoy it, because that's really what we make music for. You know, if I make money off of it, cool. But I've been somewhat jaded by the music industry for years now because of record deals gone bad, management deals gone bad, all these kind of things where it just seems like they're really out to take advantage of creators try to not look at it in a negative light because that's not why I play music, not why I ever started playing music. You know, I, I did it because of the love and how it felt. And like I said, I'm an artist. I create and I can't, you know, do anything but that. So there was one point in our career where we sat on a lot of material for a long time because of different deals that didn't go right. And thank God I still own all the masters of everything I've ever put out. But, you know, it's I'm not... At one point, I was worried about making money off of music, and I'm not so worried about that anymore. And that's just, I think it's become more of a at-peace moment with that, you know, because that's a really mm -hmm. big struggle with a lot of independent artists. I've, I've always made more money off of T-shirts <laughs> with my name on it. <laughs> In the words of Tony Soprano, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Lockhart is amazing. It's a great town. When I lived in Austin in, like, between 2006 and 2010, a lot of my friends have now moved down to Lockhart because Austin rent's gotten so expensive and because it's become such a beautiful little community down there. We've got a lot of friends down there and we got a lot of fans and we just can't wait to come back every single time.
playing at Arts and Crafts, Sunday, March 26th from 7 to 9 p.m. Don't miss the show. One of the interesting things about Lockhart is all our shops and interesting little bodegas, galleries, other things that we have to offer bring out all kinds of people. Tim Wakefield uh, came to uh, the United States from England and settled in Austin and used to come down to visit Ben Sparks' Rollfast Ranchware shop and uh, decided to buy a building in Lockhart to place his nonprofit Soundwaves Art here in town uh, for making a lot of production and prints. Soundwaves Art is a nonprofit organization that assists other nonprofits in fundraising. Tim was traditionally a fundraiser and also an artist, was interested in making the visual form of music digitally, the waveform, into unique prints by taking a song and its master file and turning it into a new interpretation of the song visually. And uh, I had a chance to speak to Tim by phone. I was a fundraiser in England and I wanted to create, I was always uh, inventing art projects and working with musicians, uh, sorry, working with artists, uh, with celebrities across comedy, sport, acting. And I wanted to do something with music. Um, and then started looking at the images that appear in the recording studio process um, and seeing whether I could expand those and customize them so what you essentially get is the the a piece of artwork that's created from the heartbeat of a song is the, what we like to say um so i figured that we could probably get two or three british bands to do it so um we got people like coldplay pink floyd george michael on board uh and it just kept going you know more and more bands saw it wanted to do it um and i met somebody, a very good friend of mine, who ran the Gibson Guitars Foundation, and she said, you need to come to the States, you know, you, you should come over and do some fundraising over here. So I kept coming over to Austin and Nashville and working with bands. Um, and then fast forward 15 years, we've raised about $7 million for social justice causes, working with over 500 recording artists. So uh, it kind of grew a little bit bigger than I thought it would. So it's been great. Yeah. I had the idea for the project, and we did some. I did some artwork, and we dropped it off at their studio, uh, and we didn't hear from them for about three months. So I was actually sitting in Austin, uh, having a lovely lunch before going to see Muse at Austin City Limits, 
and uh, I got a text through saying, yeah, the guys, the guys love it. And I couldn't work out who it was because it was such an old text. And then I realized that it was Coldplay. And they were kind of the biggest selling band. Of, well, they still are, but, you know, they were one of the biggest selling bands in the world at the time. So uh, we had a, we kind of hit the ground running with that one. And then the second, then we did the, we got all four members of Pink Floyd to sign separately. Um, I wish you were here, Pete. There was always another band to ask, and they were always willing to help. We never expected to get to the point where we're at now, I guess, and uh, consider ourselves fortunate, you know, right place, right time, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, very fortunate. There was no plan. There was, it was just, we're going to do a bit of fundraising for, uh, initially, it was music therapy, kids and sort of stroke victims and things in London. Um, and it just, it, it kind of grew organically, which was, which was fun because we just never knew where it was going to go. Um, and then it got so big during COVID. We thought, you know, when COVID came and our in-person signings were, it was impossible. We always signed with bands and we wrote to them and said, would you sign at home? And it was incredible. You know, people like Billy Joel and Barbara Streisand signing at home was kind of blows your mind. But yeah, you know, we decided we needed a, our own home. We kept moving around and the staff were getting bigger. And I saw that beautiful building in Lockhart for sale and just kind of took a look. And yeah, five minutes later, I'd agreed to, <laughs> agree to buy it. And uh, yeah, that's our, that's our home now. Yeah. We, we run it from Austin. I guess we consider that our head office, but we have a, a studio in East London as well. So my son, he runs all the kind of British side of it. So he's at the Albert Hall in London for the next week signing with. Um, there's a, a great new band called Wet Leg, uh, Kasabian, who are an iconic British band, uh, Richard Ashcroft from The Verve. So he's doing about five signings next week at the okay. Royal Albert the fantastic venues. And that's for the Teenage Cancer Trust in the UK, which was started by Roger Daltrey from The Who. Ben will love me for saying it, but I love the Western shop. So I used to come down and buy things from him. Uh, it's just a nice day out. It's nice to get out of Austin every now and then. And, I saw. I think I probably saw the for sale sign, called it. Uh, someone came over and showed me it, and uh, I kind of immediately thought this solves this solves all our problems. So you know, we we wanted a permanent home. We wanted somewhere that the foundation can thrive. And when you keep moving, you know, it's difficult. Um, and it gave us the space. We do all of our own printing. We do all of our own picture framing. We, we you know we we want to employ people. Uh, you know, and kind of build a team collaborating on these projects. So it gave us the space to expand into. We pretty pretty much filled it out already, but it was a great move. And we, you know, we love the town. It, it just just felt right. I don't know why there's something about those kind of lovely Texan towns that there's such a kind of romance to them, you know, the history of them. And, the, uh, you know, I gather that, you know, we got an old 120-year-old grain lift in our, in our building. Just imagine it being used over the years for various different businesses and uh, it's just fantastic. I love the history of it, you know. So it's, it's a real sense of community and when you've got a town like Austin that's rapidly growing, um, you know, people don't have the time to spend with you and people aren't from they're not from the town, they don't understand the history of it. So, you know, we we've you know, one of the things we said when we came to Lockhart, we want to be very respectful and fit in with what you know, the aims of the town are as it grows. We've made a lot of really good friends there. We love being there. Nearly all of our businesses online. We sh we've shipped to, uh, I think, ni we've 92 countries at the last count. We sell between eight and 10,000 
print a year. So, you know, it's it's a it's an online business essentially, but having somewhere to showcase the artwork, having events, you know, we had a we had a launch event in December the first year and then last year we had a big event for Ukraine, um, which was really successful. So uh, you know, our big our big mission last year was to raise money for what they call safe spaces for Ukrainian children. You know, you get to a refugee camp and people think that's at least you're safe, but you're anything but. And, you know, you've got trauma, you've seen things as a kid that you shouldn't see, and you've lost parents possibly. Uh, so, you know, as well as giving them essentials like food and clothing, they, they give them counselling and, and education. And so, so we raised $50,000 a month uh, every month last year for to keep safe spaces going. And, and the charity is Children in Conflict, their war child in the UK. You know, they operate in multiple regions. Uh, you know, they're still in Afghanistan, for instance, and Iraq. So, you know, their need to fundraise is going up all the time. There are more refugees in the world now than there ever were. So it's incredibly difficult for them to keep going. And Soundwaves offers a, a really easy way for musicians to support. You know, musicians are being asked to play gigs for charity all the time, and that's that's a day of your life. I mean, that's you know, you've got to set up and you've got you got to organise all the you know your guitar techs and your roadies and the security and catering, and we uh, we just turn up and ten, you know spend ten minutes with you, and you've done you've done your bit. It's really rewarding to make something. Uh, you know, there's there's fundraising where you just go out and ask for money, you ask for help, but. I think we built a community. Uh, you know, we've got I think over twenty thousand people who've bought work, um, and people who you know, have, have many, many pieces. And you know, there's a real kind of community feel to to the nonprofit. You know, we really appreciate all of our customers, and we give them something that you know, music means so much to people. And when you when you get the right song, and it means so much to somebody, and they get a copy of a print signed, it's it's just it's it's such a a great thing to give somebody. We're doing a project at the moment for Sims to, to supply mental health services for musicians. Really key. I mean, it's uh, something that's affected me and my family. And I think partly due to COVID, people are now far far more comfortable talking about mental health issues. There's a lot of musicians who've been brave enough to discuss. Um, conditions from depression to bipolar to schizophrenia. So it's becoming easier to talk about, which means it's easier to help people who need the help. So we're, we're doing a wider project with Sweet Relief across the country to help provide mental health services for the music industry. And we've got a couple of dozen already signed up in Austin. We're launching at the Van Zandt on May the 15th uh, with people like Jimmy Bourne, Black Angels, Sean Colvin, uh, you know, there's there's 24 kind of iconic uh, Bob Schneider. You know, they're, they're people who've played residencies in Austin for years, Alejandro Escobedo. Um, so hopefully that'll support our local community. And we've always tried to, to do something on a local level. So if any of your listeners have uh, uh, suggestions of who would be an iconic musician from, from sort of central Texas, then please get in touch with us and, uh, and we'll, we will add them to the list.
You can find out more about Soundwaves Art at soundwavesartfoundation.com. David Torres uh, is known by many people around the world um, as the Hatter at Texas Hatters. Uh, he passed away last week, um, unsuspectedly. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about David and remember him. He uh, was a junior in high school when he signed up for the marketing and distribution classes at the, at the high school when he uh, got an apprenticeship with Manny Gamage at Texas Hatters, and it was in Butin, Texas then. And his bond with Manny was so great that he and his family were invited to the family celebration when he graduated in 1989. He worked with Manny as an apprentice hatter and was his personal assistant and assistant manager until Manny's death in 1995. Manny's wife, Norma, and their daughter, Joella, made David the manager of Texas Hatters and later bestowed the title of Master Hatter to him after he stepped into Manny's role as the face of Texas Hatters in the years after Manny's passing. He was later made the general manager, and even though he never gained any ownership on paper, he was considered to be the Hatter in Texas Hatters. When he started with the family business, he was really shy, wouldn't speak any Spanish, but Manny would get him to come up to the front counter and help with customers, and soon all the shyness was gone. And because he was helping someone, David loved to help people. And after 35 years of loyal service to the family, businesses and actors and movies and many customers who met him, it became easier for his wife, Joella, who was Manny's daughter, to see why so many people thought that David was Manny's son and she was the in-law. His ease with the customers and unwavering smiles, laugh, Storytelling endeared him to a multitude of people from all walks of life all around the world. I was sent a song, a Kent Fenley song. Hallianna Fenley, Kent's daughter, sent me this song. Kent uh, Fenley owned the Cheatham Street Warehouse in San Marcos and uh, is responsible for breaking a lot of songwriters into the Texas music scene and the national music scene by giving them a forum to play. And uh, he wrote a special song for Manny and Texas Hatters. We're going to play that for you now. It's never been released. I was sitting alone at the bar Spending my money and time When this stove-up old cowboy came in And sat down at the stool next to mine his beard was as white as his hair And his face was all wrinkled and tan He looked like he'd been through as much As the battered old hat in his hand After his whistle was wet He started in speaking his mind He said, I've done me some living And I've seen some sights in my time I've walked on top of some mountains And I've spent some time in the flats And I can't tell you much about books, son But I can tell you a lot about hats Just take a look at this old hat of mine This old hat's been my friend And this ain't no stain on her brim It's a memory of somewhere we've been yeah, we've made us some memories together And we've been through some hard times in hell But then she's worn her fair share of feathers 
Through the years, she's weathered right well. It takes some time for fine hats and wine to reach their peaks of perfection. And when you've got a good hat, you gotta be certain that she gets plenty of love and affection. A hat's like a woman, my friend. Any way that she's rolled, a good one gets better with age. A cheap one only gets old. I once was as dashing and wild as some of the horses I broke. Now that's all behind me forever. He caressed his old hat as he spoke. You know, life may not be all it could be, and it sure doesn't last very long. But at least it's a chance to do something that might live on after you're gone. Well, I'm staking some hopes in this hat, but sometimes you just gotta believe. Then looking off into the distance, the cowboy got up to leave. And now every day that I live, I'll think about all that he said. Cause before he rode into the sunset, he placed this fine hat on my head. And it took some time for this fine hat of mine to reach her peak of perfection. And I won't forget, it took some sweat, and it took some love and affection. You know, a hat's like a woman, my friend. Any way that she's rolled, a good one gets better with age. A cheap one only gets old. About ten years ago, I went by uh, David's shop, and uh, I only met him once that one time that I went in. And uh, I walked in. It was a weekday, pretty slow, and uh, started looking around and realized that I, I didn't really have any business being in there. I couldn't afford any of the hats. And he struck up a conversation with me, and I admitted that to him. I said, "Man, I don't even feel like I can touch any of these hats, but they were beautiful." And um, we just started to kind of cut up and have a good time. And he told me stories about Steve Ray Vaughan playing for tips so that he could buy hats. And it was just a really wonderful interaction. And then all of a sudden he said, well, what are you looking for? What do you need? And I told him I'm a musician and I was about to go on tour and was kind of looking into a hat. And uh, all I had on me was a hundred bucks and uh, I was way out of my element. And he said, hold on. And he went in the back and he came back out. Uh, with a hat and he said you know someone left this here years ago and never came and picked it up and he said I could reshape it for you and I I said man are you about to sell me a dead man's hat (laughs) and uh, we both chuckled and uh, he said no no I think they just kind of forgot about it anyway he he shaped the hat for me and um even though I only had a hundred dollars to spend he treated me like royalty (laughs) it was very kind and I never forgot that so I said my condolences to his family. He was truly a bright light. And I tell I tell the story about my experience in that hat shop all the time. So thank you, David. I still have my hat. My most cherished memory of David 
will be my last visit with him when I picked up another new hat just a few weeks ago. Texas Hatters is a tradition in my family with me, my son, grandson as a baby, getting our hats there. During my last visit, we've discussed recent deaths in both of our families, and I jokingly referred to a statement attributed to many, but Ray Charles said it best. Live your life every day thinking it may be your last, because one day you're going to be right. And we had a great laugh. Little did we know what was to come a short time later, but this I do know. David was a good Christian man of faith and lived it every day and was a shining light to so many. I've never had a favorite hat until now. I will cherish my latest one as much for the great conversation and timely talk we had as I will the top-of-the-line hat that will occupy a place of honor on my rack. Rest in peace, my friend. I always looked forward to seeing David's smiling face whenever I went to the shop. One time I brought in a powder blue vintage hat from the 50s for him to block. When he was done, he thanked me for bringing in the hat, saying that he doesn't get to work on hats like that very often. This is Sharon Jewell here. I will miss him so much. It was May 27th, 2015, right after school around 3.30. He would pick up both his girls from school and come straight to crates and either have a late lunch or early dinner. I was always intimidated to talk to him. Then one day the owner, Rick, came in and told me, Hey, John, David right here and his daughters, anything they want, you make sure you take care of them and it's on me. I said, okay, you're the boss. Right after that, David's little girls came in. They wanted some ice cream in the dining room. I would always take care of them instead of double dips. I would always give them triple dips. Well, that day, David came straight to me and said, hey, man, wanted to ask you a question. I was like, yes, sir. Why haven't you came to visit me at the hat shop? And why haven't you came in to get yourself a hat? I was speechless. Then I finally got the words out and told him, I'll be there tomorrow. Next day, I went in, got my first Texas Hatter's hat. That's all I've ever worn ever since. I'm only hatted by the best, and that's Texas Hatter's. After that day, me and David became good friends. We pretty much figured out that we were probably brothers from different mothers. We had so much in common, so much into the same stuff. He was my big and older brother, and I love him a lot. He was the best man at my wedding and my crazy buddy in crime. I miss you, David. I love you. And I know you're looking over all of us. My name is James LeBron Lockhart. I live in Walden, Tennessee, which is on top of Signal Mountain near Chattanooga. I was born the same year David was. I've wanted a high roller ever since the day I saw Ronnie Van Zant wearing one. In 2016, I flew to Austin and drove to Lockhart and met David. He was a super nice guy. He took the time to give me a tour of Texas Hatters. He measured my head for the first of several high rollers he would make me. He even let me get a picture with him while letting me hold an original receipt from when Manny made Ronnie one of his high rollers. Thanks for everything, David. May you rest in peace. John from the Golden Roses here. Every songwriter and musician in Texas knows it's a badge of honor to have a Texas Hatter's hat. And when someone stole my hat from the green room at the White Horse some years ago, I took a picture to David and he kindly recreated it for me. 
I've worn that hat on many stages throughout Texas and throughout the rest of the country. And over the years, he's taken care of that hat for me and welcomed me with open arms. And he continued that tradition that Manny Gamage started of treating the Texas songwriter with respect and made you feel really good about yourself. He was a damn fine man, one hell of a hat maker, and he's sorely gonna be missed. Rest in peace, David. You were loved, David, and respected, and we're gonna miss you. Memorial donations to David Anthony Torres may be made to Victory Outreach Austin at www.victoryoutreachaustin.com. lifted up a little bit because it is that time we've got uh mary catherine davenport sitting in for barney chowder on eye in the sky mary thank you Stephen. this is mary catherine davenport and i'm sitting in for bobby chowder while he's going through some things you know he's at a facility <laughs> maybe i should call it a resort except they only serve you iced tea if you get my meaning Anywho, I'm in the skies over Lockhart to tell you about traffic today. And so a little bit about me. My mama grew up with Lady Bird Johnson, and I think that's where I get my love of all flowers. Real plastic, it doesn't matter. I love them all. And wow, will you look at those blue bonnets down there on 142. They are just breathtaking. They, they look like plastic. They're so perfect. Well, that reminds me that I am so honored to be here sitting where Neil Diamond sat last week. Can you believe it? You don't bring me flowers. I love that man. Except he did bring me flowers. Look at them. Will you look at those Indian paintbrushes? Or should I say American Indian paintbrushes? Or, well, is it indigenous American paintbrushes? Oh, well, I don't know who painted them, but they are amazing. Aren't they gorgeous? I wish you could see this. So, well, back to me. Uh, I am just getting back into news reporting after taking a little break. I'll tell you all about it. I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder, which is just a total cow patty. I just have a short attention span. It's part of my charm. So, uh, okay, so let's talk about traffic. Oh, honey, will you look at those yellow ones? 
Uh, Mr. Pilot? I I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Mr. Pilot, will you keep going that way? Oh, well, oh my lands, I wish you could all see this. It's like a painting by that French guy, you know, Mr. Monette. All those colors all running together. Everybody, get in your cars and head out to the old mall. The wildflowers are everywhere. Oh my gosh, will you look at those? Oh, Mr. Pilot, keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, look at those blue and yellow and red. Oh, it's so pretty. It's like the windows in the Baptist church, I tell you. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you, Mary Catherine. I'm not sure what's uh, what's going on with traffic, but uh, we will definitely check out the flowers. Thank you. Well, just a reminder that our lineup is featured on our Instagram page daily in our stories called The Roundup. If you want to know what's going on in town tonight, check out 78644podcast on Instagram. It's also the place to go and find out where our next episode is out. We would also want to remind people about the 78644 Locals program. It's a $5 or more month subscription that all proceeds go directly to musicians. Friday, March 24th, Old Pal will have Big Breakfast in Will Roads from 7 to 9 p.m. The Light Aluminum will be there from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. The Pearl will have Comedy with Darley Felsberg from 7.30 to 8.45 p.m. Arts and Craft will have The Brothers Wayfair from 8 to 11 p.m. Saturday, March 25th, Old Pal will have Jamie Kruger from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. El Rey will have Homero Guerrero Tercero starting at 8 p.m. Sunday, March 26th, Old Pal will have Not Brunch, Brunch with Graham Wilkinson, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. The Pearl will have the Sunday matinee with W.C. Clark. Arts and Crafts will have De France from 7 to 9.30 p.m. Tuesday, March 28th, is Two-Step Tuesdays with Jenny and the Corn Ponies. That's $10 at the door, goes to the band. Doors open at 7, lessons are at 7, and music is at 8. Thursday, March 30th, Old Pal will have Nate Guthrie from 7 to 9 p.m. Arts and Crafts will have a fundraiser for Lockhart Sandlot Baseball Club, benefiting the Lockhart Hawks and the Meat City Smoke at 6.30. Open mic night will be from 8 to 11 p.m. El Rey will have karaoke from 9 to 1 a.m. Friday, March 31st is First Friday. Old Pal will have Tom Foolery from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. The Pearl will have David Isley Band. 8 to 10 p.m. The Baker Theater will have One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest premiering at 8 p.m. Saturday, April 1st, Old Pal will have Sidetracked from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. Baker Theater will have One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest at an 8 p.m. show. Sunday, April 2nd, the Pearl will have the Sunday Matinee with Robert Cannon from 3 to 5 p.m. And the Baker Theater will have their matinee of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest at 2 p.m. Wednesday, April 5th, The Pearl will have Kathleen O'Keefe from 7 to 9 p.m. Thursday, April 6th, Old Pal will have the Halliana Residency there from 7 to 9 p.m. And El Rey will have karaoke 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And that's it for 78644 News.
Adoniram Lipton, longtime singer and songwriter for the now-retired Slow Train, a band in Austin, Texas, has a new project called The Light Aluminum. He came into the studio along with Bailey Motes and Gabriel Lipton to play some new songs and talk about the band and their upcoming show in Lockhart at Old Pal. Thanks for coming into the, to the studio. It's three-fifths of the light aluminum, so... That's right. We got this this is this is a bigger band. Aluminum. How many yeah. pieces are it? Are you? Four or five? Five. Four, yeah, five. It's rotating yeah. parts. So we normally <laughs> have a drummer and a bass player, and then uh, it's, it's kind of modular, right? Yeah. So, uh, so Gabe will play organ sometimes and guitar, and I'll play piano and whatever. And Bailey's playing bass with us on Friday. Sort of. But yeah, there's five of us. That's awesome. Yeah. How long, how long has it, have you been doing it? So really last summer, right? So I have a, I had an idea in the spring, actually right after South by last year, which this is when we're taping a train South by that I wanted to, I was like, I'm going to take some of these new songs. I'm going to start a new band. Uh, but the original idea was to start a band of all strangers. Like the, like it was, the rule was, I cannot play with anybody that I know or that I've worked with in the past. And I've been in Austin for almost 20 years. So, uh, so I've just like thrown down on Craigslist and maybe like meeting some people. And I went to a bunch of shows. It turns, it's not like as easy as it used to be. I, I thought that I would like go to some shows and like, I'd met probably because I'm like less cool and I'm like older or something. And like my method for like trying to engage people to play with me was like, I'll just buy them some like shots after the show and be like, Hey man, I'm looking to start a band. Like, they're like, okay, cool, loser. Uh, so that, that totally didn't work. So I'm like, all right, I'm going older school. I'm going Craigslist. Uh, so I got like a whole bunch of people out. And that, you'll definitely get volume that way. You definitely find people that are interested. And uh, it turned out that Bailey was the only person that survived that era because like none of those people, I don't think they liked me very much. <laughs> so we'd like rehearse and whatever. And I was like, I don't really have an idea of what I wanted to do. And I think the rehearsals were a little more eccentric than I expected. So then like one by one, the rule, I changed the rule. It's like, okay, it can be people that I know, but it, it can't be anybody that I've been in a band with before. But we can have work together. All right. So that's when we had a Mike Sinclair who we recorded together in the past, but we'd never been in a band. He's playing bass. But then... Like, we're still, like, it's not going well with the other strangers or the people. So then I changed it to, like, we can have been in a band before, but not in the last band. So that's when I added Josh Weinholt, and he's, uh, we played drum, uh, he, he plays drums and a lot of things. And then we're still struggling, so then it's, like, actually, it can just be anybody. So I added my brother. So, like, this what my brother gave. So the stranger band really is just Bailey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the story. Yeah. One of the... um things I was just reading just getting started when you guys were coming in was talking a bit about the times and doing something that had a levity to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Something lighter and happier. Can, yeah. Is that true? Or is that, yeah. is that what, what was that sort was of in your idea. mind, Adnarm, when you were? That was the idea. And that's actually, I, Bailey, I think that's like kind of like why you stuck with the thing. I think that, that Bailey, who is the stranger in the band, they like, kind of understood what I was like, trying to do and like the idea was like get humans like you know let's like be in the same places and rooms as we are right I'm is that still true really is that why you like this i think i'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i've got it figured out but yeah i think you know it, it's you know especially in the live performances that we were doing before uh the end of last year they were always just so upbeat and a lot of fun and you you really couldn't find anything else like that everything's kind of dreary or a yeah. little bit more melancholy and I think that's the thing that 
Adoniram does really well with his songs is keeping that upbeat energy and everything. So that's the biggest but reason why I like around. It's not necessarily like cheerful music, but I think we're cheerful people. It makes, makes you have sense. to be like, happy. Yeah, the, because I think that one of the things is that, 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 that's true about people is like not, everybody's like happy all the time. But that's why you need to not sit at home staring at your phone all the time because that's part of what's making you unhappy, in my opinion. The I'll tell another quick festival story. What gave me the idea for that is I took my my daughters who are finally like old enough to do this to ACL, and I was really struck that the that people were there they to like deliberately enjoy the music and have fun, <laughs> and that never like occurred to me before. Part of the reason that I had wanted to take like a break, which turned out to go a long time from writing and playing, was because it was just getting so depressing, and the amount of like. Like wallowing in introspection was just, I shouldn't say that Slow Train's great record, great band, whatever. Um, but to me, it was just getting like, uh, like too dark and too much. And life is already like that. In happy times, you can play sad music. In difficult times, you, I think you go the opposite way. And it was just really fun seeing all these people. It was like two years ago, right? So, like, kind of still coming out of the pandemic. Everybody's still a little like weird about being around people. But like nobody really seemed to care. They were just dancing, listening to music. And I was like, I want to make music like that where people like it. <laughs> As opposed to like, I just need to say something about how horrible life is for me. And you're going to listen. <laughs> there were slow train songs that, that never made our records that we would play at shows. And that I never put them on the records because they felt too silly to me. was my mindset at the time. Like this isn't serious enough to be a slow train song. And we'd like get in the studio and like, well, let's try this one. You know, like Mavis Staples. It's a love song to Mavis Staples. And like, ah, it doesn't fit with the rest of the record. But then we would like, when we played our shows, we'd like throw those in to pad the set or whatever. And they'd be like the songs that everybody loved the most. And they're like dancing and whatever. But like the mindset was like, yeah, but it's not serious. So that, that there's a song called Mavis Staples that uh, that's kind of what I wanted to center the sound around. It's like, I... Like, have, like, a million songs that I really like. That's what I like to listen to. Like, that's the type of music that I like. And people, and again, when I, the last band I had, those type of songs were the ones that people seemed to enjoy. So why not just make a band where they all sound like that? But, like, so here's a process. is like we we have a rehearsal space in one of these industrial parks in Austin. And and so I've got, a, I've got an old, like, 24-channel board in there. And we've got an upright piano and everything. And I don't want to get too, like, recording nerdy here. But I picked up one of those Joko like hardest recorders. They're designed for live recording, right? So it's 24 in, 24 out, and it's like rock solid. You yeah. can't even punch, right? But it but it like records perfectly and the and they're designed for, you know, like Sting uses these things on tour. They're designed for capturing like hours of material yeah. without like And you can edit it in, a, yeah, in an exactly. editor, yeah. And then I can take them home and I have a little home studio up in Georgetown and then like dump them in there and then I'll send the board mix to the guys just because I obsessively like to record everything. And then if we hear something that's like, well, that's actually like a kind of cool take of that, we'll put up on our SoundCloud or we have some rehearsal recordings on our website right now, which is the lightaluminum.com. And, uh, and then one of them like sound pretty good. So we're like, we should put out like a slightly more mixed like thing. So we have a song called here's your hat. There's the door that we, that's on Spotify. They just like, just put it on there like a week ago. But it's just one of those rehearsal recordings, except the only thing we did was we overdubbed an organ because I wasn't playing organ and overdubbed a harmony because we didn't have a harmony. And I ended up replacing the vocal because I couldn't get the, 
mixing the vocal made the drums sound terrible. Yeah, true. So, but like, but super basic, man. So the idea is like, let's just try and capture like what the band actually sounds like, what we do. And we'll probably put a record out at some point, but I don't know. It's a, that's a great way to work because um, you can kind of discover it, you know, as you go yeah, along. So. It's like no pressure at all. I, we're bootlegging ourselves. That's the way I like to think about it. Sloppy is the new tight. Yeah. Like everything is, everything's graded out. Everything's auto-tuned. Everything's whatever. Like I literally don't know how to do that. And like, we're, we're like, we don't play with like, you know, cause the basic for all the stuff that you can find that we put out so far, like, Again, it's like the genesis of it is like rehearsals, right? So there's no click tracks or there's no whatever. And I know you can like go and later like put it on a grid, but why? The song sounds good. Right. And uh, and I'm the type of singer that is never going to like, I I don't have like, I think I have moderately okay pitch, yeah. but it doesn't sound right when you like auto-tune it because it's swoopy, sloppy, jalopy. But I think that's actually like weirdly, this is a podcast so you can't see maybe Chris's photos, but I think it's weird because we're old now, at least I'm old, Bailey's young, is like our early like fans, like the people that didn't know anything that I did before, they're really young, like early 20s. Like we have fans that like, like fans that like bring like, uh, can you say that? Like fake IDs, like one of our shows. Like, hey, so glad you came out. Like, yeah, we're nervous because it's like 21 and over. Like, wait, yeah. you're not 21? <laughs> I think that's interesting. That's an interesting yeah. point because the in an age where everything is kind of perfected or yeah. computerized or AI, the authentic experience really that's I the human experience. I focused group these like these two dudes in this chick who like been coming to all these shows I'm like why do you like my music <laughs> like it doesn't sound like I don't think it like I'm a little surprised I'm like very happy oh I'm but happy to like, hear that myself yeah. yeah that's that's great that's news. what they said yeah, though yeah. they're like yeah well because it like it's like more real than the other things like what they mean there is we, like it's kind of bad in a way but no the, the right like it is before. more real that's it's actually not, what's happening is it's like yeah. we screw up and like we get the intro wrong and like and we just like oh well like too late now. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, I that that's really good to hear. Um, well, that's yeah. That's what I heard when when I'm hearing your when I'm listening to your music is it has the spirit of, of people playing together, yeah. and and the fun of that and the chemistry of that and the what's he gonna do kind of the hanging on and what's that guy gonna do and it creates a apprehension for the listener and for the band. So yeah. really really great to hear, guys. This was a song that we just recently rearranged as we kind of start to feel out like well where our sound's going right and it's i think one of the ones that bailey you were talking about like giving an example of like kind of is like pulled back from where we started it and uh, i it began with when we first started doing it it was like fun and but it was, it was kind of like shouting it for no real reason just because that's how i'm used to doing it. it was a little faster a little bluesier and um when when we added gabe to the project my brother who you'll hear singing on it i wanted to find songs where there's just like tons of harmonies, like that sort of Graham Parsons, like Amy Lou type thing. We tried it like on almost every single song that we have when we were first rehearsing Gabe. We had him a few months ago. I'm like, sing harmony on every single word. I want to see how it works. And then we sort of like landed on some songs where it actually works. And this was one of those. But then at first we were still trying to do this like sort of like dirty, like late night blues version of it. But with like Gabe singing these like Graham and Amy Lou harmonies. And then uh, it was kind of working, but it was a whole lot cooler when it's just like, let's just stop shouting at everybody. The lyrics are kind of a little, you know, they're a little goofy. They're a little ironic. Um, can I tell you something I really love about this song and I want people to know? Sure. Um, because I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I had never written a, I have a lot of rules, right? And I've been trying to change some of them or like break some of them. 
Or one these, of my rules. These are, these are personal rules, these for, are personal for, rules. For, for writing or living or both? Oh, living, writing, thinking, <laughs> <Okay>. breathing. <laughs> but certainly for writing and music, right? And one of the rules was I don't use any slang, no swearing, certainly. Um, and I don't say baby either. Um, so I'd never said like ain't in a song ever before. Like I would do like is not. Uh, just because I don't know. I don't really understand why. Uh, but uh, so I was doing some co-writing with a country singer and I was just really jealous of how he could just change the rhythms and stuff by using all these like slang things that I don't let myself do. So this song was like, I'm going to go all the way the other way and I'm going to take lines from other songs that say baby. I'm going to rewrite those lines. I'm just going to like, so the first, so the first line or two of every single verse is, or like there's lines when they're just like taken from other songs, right? So like the second verse is like, uh, hey baby, let's go out tonight. I saw you in the mirror and your hair is all right. It's just like David Bowie, like, hey baby, da, 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 right? And then there's like, you know, hey baby, uh, you know, you know, we can drive out to the darkness on the edge of the town. Like, so like other songs were like writers that are actually good writers said baby. And that was like how I broke the rule. It's like, dude, Bruce Springsteen did it. David Bowie did it. Tom Petty did it. So the whole song was just a mishmash. It's a decoupage of, of other people that say baby in songs.
78644 is brought to you by our sponsors, Texas Hatters, The Little Alamo Airbnb, El Rey Bar and Nightclub, Wendy R. Books and Gifts, and Birdie House. Our in-kind sponsors are Williams Island, Courthouse Nights, Printing Solutions, Gaslight Baker Theater, and Crystal Glaze Photography. Our show is produced by Kate Collins, recorded at Troubadour Image and Sound in Lockhart, Texas. In-studio performances by The Light Aluminum, other music by Jeremy Laborde Band, De France, and myself, Stephen Collins. Our show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Radio Public, and everywhere else where podcasts are streamed. Thanks for listening. Something to say